Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed it to us by His Holy Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for their foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, in this chapter, as in the first chapter, Paul has a lot to say about Jesus. In the first chapter, the emphasis was on Jesus, Christ Jesus, our Lord Jesus, The Father God was mentioned several times as well. But in chapter 2, he begins to introduce the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And as we're going through the rest of 1 Corinthians, we'll find that Paul has a lot to teach us about the Holy Spirit. So we want to take special note as we're reviewing this chapter, and uh, Paul begins to introduce the person and work of God's Holy Spirit. We want to take special note of what Paul has to say about the Holy Spirit so we can apprehend it and apply it to our own lives. So Paul begins by reaffirming the fact that his life is focused on Jesus. Verse 1, When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And so Paul is very Christ-centric, as we should be as well. And the emphasis continued over into chapter 2 is reminding us that Jesus Christ was the focus of his ministry, and not just Jesus while he was on earth, but him crucified, dead, buried, and raised from the dead. 
Then Paul goes on to talk about the supernatural reality of God and the present work of the Holy Spirit moving in his life and, by extension, available to move in our lives. Verse 4, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Now, I want to step aside from the text a few minutes and tell you a story. I was raised in the church. It was a good church. There was nothing wrong with the church. There was nothing wrong with what they preached. But there came a time in my life, in my case, when I was 12 years old, that I went through a confirmation class and they announced to me that I was now a member of the Church of Jesus Christ. That was all well and good, except no transaction had yet taken place in my heart as far as the new birth in Christ. So God's power had not touched me. I believed the words that were preached. I heard the words that were preached. I believed certain things about Jesus. I believed my parents, of course. But I had not experienced the reality of God's power. So at age 12, I was told I was a member of the church. Later, at age 14, just barely 14 years old, I answered an altar call in a church service and went to the front of the church to experience the new birth in Christ. And sadly, I got totally distracted on my way to the altar because I noticed I was the only one going, and at the altar, no one was there but me. And so I went through the motions of praying with uh, the pastor and standing in front of the whole church, and everyone congratulated me as a, a Christian after I said the prayer in front of everyone. But in reality, God's power had not touched me, and I knew that I was still the old creation. I hadn't been recreated with the demonstration of the Spirit's power in my own life. In July of 1971, I was 15 years old, and I went to a Young Life camp in Saranac, New York. Some of you are aware that Young Life is a group that uh, ministers to high school kids. They're very active in the area where I live now. And, and so I went to the, the Saranac camp really with nothing more in mind than to get away from home for a couple of weeks and perhaps meet some girls and do um, 15-year-old things, you know, at camp. But at the end of the two weeks, I hadn't really participated in the religious aspects of it. I was just there doing my own thing. And I got cornered by a very godly man who challenged me. And he said, you know, you've come here and wasted your time. Why, why have you come here? And I, I told him I just wanted to get away from home and have some fun. And he said, well, what about your relationship with Christ? And I said, that's not for me. I said, I've tried that. When I was 12, I, I went through the confirmation class. When I was 14, I entered an altar call. Nothing changed. I felt nothing. I, I sensed nothing. And so this guy, on the night of July 20th, 1971, said to me that I needed to ask Jesus into my heart. I needed to ask Jesus to forgive my sins and to give me some evidence that I could recognize that I had, in fact, been born again. So we prayed a little prayer, and nothing happened, and I told him, nothing happened. And he said, well, we're just going to keep praying until something did. And by God's grace, I had gotten hold of a very tenacious individual who refused to let me go until the Holy Spirit's a witness came on my inner man that I had indeed been born again. And so there was a demonstration of the Spirit's power in my own life. I remember that night while the man was praying with me. His name was Gil. Gil was praying with me. I said, I can't go and live for Jesus without the reality of who he is being 
evident in my own life. In other words, I believe the words you're saying. I think you believe the words you're saying, but I need the evidence of God's power in my own life. I wasn't asking for a lightning bolt, but I was asking for uh, the supernatural reality that I had encountered the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And so, friends, on the night of July 20th, 1971, I had a life-changing encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ in Saranac, New York, standing outside one of the dormitory buildings. And I was indeed born again, and I can look to that moment in time where the supernatural reality of God was quickened to me. We need that, friends. We need it in our own lives. We need it in our churches. We need that power and operation in us and the faith to share that with others. And so this is not hokey stuff. This is the reality of the new birth in Christ. There should be some witness in our inner man when we make a profession of faith. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. Well, confessing with your mouth is is easy to do. The belief in your heart sometimes takes a bit of a transaction. Like in my case, it took a little bit more digging in. Paul talks about the wisdom and uh, mystery being revealed in Jesus Christ, what we're talking about. Verse 6, We, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden, and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Well, this message of wisdom and this mystery that Paul is speaking about is the fact that Jesus came to redeem us from our sins and have us to be born again into the kingdom of God. The rulers of this age Paul is talking about are not human beings. He's talking about principalities and powers in this present darkness in which we find ourselves living on the planet here. If the rulers of darkness had understood that God the Father sent Jesus to redeem fallen mankind, they would have never crucified him. That's what Paul is telling us. Paul tells us a bit more about our eternal life in the Holy Spirit in verse 9. It is written... What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him, these are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Holy Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And so inasmuch as we've had a revelation of God and a revelation of the reality of who Jesus is, these things have been revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. This is the function and work of the Holy Spirit, one of the functions and one of the works of the Holy Spirit. Paul goes on about the present work of the Spirit, verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit that is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught with human wisdom, but in words taught by the Holy Spirit, explaining the spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that comes from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Holy Spirit. But the person the Spirit makes aware of these things comes to know the mind of the Lord, and we have that mind of Christ in us. Friends, the Holy Spirit is at work today. 
He's speaking to you. He knows the thoughts that God the Father has for you. He knows the plans that Jesus has for you. He's here today to reveal to you the reality of the risen Lord Jesus Christ and our Father in heaven. God has prepared things for you and for me, and they're to be revealed to us by his Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would come on all those who are listening today. Lord, that we ask that you would reveal the thoughts of God towards each person. Lord, we ask that you would teach us the reality of God the Father and God the Son. Lord, we ask the supernatural reality of God would be part of our faith, not just creeds and words taught from a book, but the reality quickened to our own inner man. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.